Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. I'm Shay Ashby, and as always, I'm joined by Felix Chung. We are honored to be joined by Niccolo Pacheo today. Fresh off being announced as one of the participants to the celebrational event in Queenstown, New Zealand, he is one of FAB's most prolific and hardest working judges. From his role as team lead for the rules team, to being a familiar face in an orange shirt, taking on lead roles at tier three and four events around the world, and much more. Welcome to our show. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Felix and Shay. Uh, this is uh, great to be here, and um, I'm excited to spend the next hour, hour, half, two hours with uh, talking with you all. Awesome. Nick, can you share a little bit about yourself? What got you into games? A little bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, so for those who do not know me, um, my name is Nicolo Pacheo. I, well, most judges uh, and friends call me Nick, um, and I'm a level two judge from the Washington, D.C. area in the United States. Um, I've been in flesh, involved with Flesh and Blood since early 2021, just shortly before Monarch. Um, you know, it was really a, okay. I was really enticed by all the angels coming out, so that's really what <laughs> grabbed me. Oh, and yeah. then I, I watched a, a, a ton of Tolarian dropouts, and uh, Tower Number Nine really got me yeah. on the Dorinthia tra- train. So uh, it just kind of hooked me uh, from there. Um, so background um in just in general in games i just love like every sort of game well, like tabletop computer rpgs you name it i also used to play test a lot uh, for a lot of cooperative lcgs play marvel yes. champions okay. you may have seen my name in the play testing credits for some of the earlier packs before x-men so what about arkham horror and lord of the rings I play tested one cycle for uh, of Lord of the Rings. It was mm-hmm. when the Angmar reawake uh, Angmar awakens cycle that one, uh, where you're up north in the Dunedin. Um, so mm-hmm. when they re-released it with all the new cards that helped uh, streamline a campaign for you, um, I play tested that cycle. Arkham Horror, I have yet to play test. It is my one of my top five games of all time in general. I think that mm-hmm. I think what MJ Newman and team have done over the years before passing the torch just brought. Um, rpgs into a tabletop setting that is very accessible especially for me like i am not the most um uh how would you say i don't tell stories very well i don't have the uh, you know i envy those uh dungeon masters that can craft a campaign over several years and keep an apart party engaged and i think arkham horror just chef's kiss does it very well so Amazing. Nice. Well, I didn't know that about you. So anyone interested in co-op LCG action, check out uh, Marvel Champions, play tested by Nick. But uh, also my recommendations as well, Arkham Horror and uh, Lord of the Rings. A lot from the professional side. I myself am a, a family man, and I just found out that you are. So how does Fab fit into the life uh, of your family and your household? I'm going to say this as being only close to one year in and i'm sure this uh if you ask me another year from now uh how has it changed and i might give you a different answer um fab is a pretty integral has been a pretty integral part of our family only because um you know 
every even when he when my son Liam was not born yet, we um my partner and I decided to go to the World Championships in San Jose together as a as a mm-hmm. trip, right? Um we uh, made a very conscious effort to still be able to um, allow for each one of us to have our hobbies, um, uh, still be able to partake in them, excuse me, still be able to partake in our hobbies. Um, and really that has kind of rubbed off because, you know, the fab judge community is almost like a family, right? They, mm-hmm. I, you know, in month three and right, there was a, um, a lot, you know, as you all may know, fab judges are also magic judges, some of them, right? So there was a magic con in Philly and it was in the third or fourth month. And I was like, I want to see my friends. So I drew from, from, we went on a family day trip all the way up to Philly just to, for me to be able to say hi and have some dinner with some folks. Okay, um, nice. And really it's kind of been um, a journey because everyone knows that I have this kid that I look forward to seeing um, at, the end, at the end of every weekend. Um, and my, I look forward to seeing my partner as well. Um, because it's just one of those things like, you know, uh, you in a year, you've grown so close to that little mini me or mini version of you yep. uh, that you want to kind of get back home as soon as can. I will tell you, when I was Barcelona, I think it was I was there for the day of the Judge Cup. So let's let's count down as day one. Uh, Judge Cup, Judge Conference, that was day two. Uh, then there was the all three days and then there was one extra day for um the program leads to all meet so there were six days and uh by day three i really wanted to see my little boy already so you know it's yeah it's a family's the north star for me so oh nice to hear it i feel like as a single parent myself uh, my daughter's nine it every year that goes by for me it gets funner and or more fun and more fun to see her at the end of the day and engage with them because as they start to walk and talk and play play uh it just i don't know it fulfills that i don't know i don't want to say void in my life but it just feels really good to get home and have that sort of to like help close out a long day at work or a long road trip and you're just like i just want to get back to my family it feels good so i think you have a lot to look forward to oh thanks i i, I appreciate that I, you know i uh I will say that's kind of the one thing that I've started to notice is exactly what you're saying. Like that long day, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, I actually, I was working on actual work stuff until like eight thirty this evening. You know, you know, I took a small break to have dinner with them, but then yeah. I just remember like at the five thirty, like five o'clock mark when um, my partner returned home with our uh, child, it it was really nice to see him just like smile and just like jump into your arms. And, yeah. you know, those, those kind of things are pr- priceless, you know? Absolutely. I've... Okay. Well, thank you so much for telling us about yourself. One other important thing is um, seeing you post on discord so much. You are clearly a fan of one particular Pokemon. And I have to ask you <laughs> uh, for all our listeners, which one is that? And why is that your favorite? All right. So for the listeners out there, uh, the Pokemon that Felix is referring to 
is Pikachu. So if you've ever been inside the Judge Hub Discord, if you look in the upper right-hand corner, uh, you'll see most of the moderators there. And then what you'll see is my name with a little Pikachu that's currently, I think, doing like a head bob type of thing, like uh, as if they were at a heavy metal concert. But the uh, number one, uh, I chose the Pikachu because Pikachu is uh, one of the, is the cutest Pokemon. You can come fight me on that anytime. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll welcome all bad arguments against that. Um, he's also one of the only Pokemon that can sport yellow and black, have ears and a tail, and just walk like a badass all the time. And then the third reason is actually what really kind of got me on this uh, got in Discord is I when I first set up Discord I had this meme as my this meme gif on 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 my um on my uh, Discord profile it was Pikachu walking and it said haters gonna hate so that's kind of how this whole Pikachu I never changed it and you know I. I was, I was at one point thinking about changing it on the, on my Discord profile, but then uh, Klaus always introduces me for some reason to new folks um, as hey he's the Pikachu, so <laughs> and a lot of people have recognized that so uh, so maybe one day it will change to something a little bit more professional on that server probably not but we'll we'll I mean, see. I- I can't see that. I mean, there's only 151 Pokemon, right? So Pikachu's definitely the cutest. No questions mm. there. Big facts, buddy. <laughs> Big facts. There we go. He's popular for a reason. All right. Well, let's uh, let's hop into the big news, uh, the celebrational. So congratulations on being invited. And I, I just have to ask, how did you find out that you were on the list? And did you know in advance? Uh, first, thanks. Uh, it is still, even when I hear it myself, um, it, it's still a, like a dream. Um, so I found out one evening, I was just like working at my computer, and then Klaus, uh, the judge program manager, asked me if I had time to meet within an hour. Um, and, you know, I, I told him, yeah, uh, yeah, what do you need? Like, what's happening? Like, and he didn't say anything beyond that he says just you know does this time work and i was like sure um so i get sent an invite um to a google meet essentially uh and on the invite i see amanda i see trevor baker who's the head of premier op at lss as well as uh josh scott who is our rules and policy manager and i'm sitting there i'm like what have I done? Like, what what is going on? Like, and I I, I say this in you know because uh, like Amanda has always been like my mentor as well, uh, and she has been one of my mentors and she's been very influential in my development of things. And I sit there, I'm like, uh oh, did I? What did I like seriously do wrong? Um, so, um. Lo and behold, we had the meeting, and basically, uh, Klaus leads off with, you're basically, you're not in trouble or anything. Uh, You know, we just want to tell you about this event that we're having in February, or January, and then um, basically let Trevor drive the wheel from there and told us about the whole uh, plan to have... um, basically a celebrational tournament down in uh, Queenstown 
uh, for two days before the the calling, um, and there will you know there will be um, some of scheduled events. Um, it didn't tell us much more beyond that. There, um, except there, you know, kind of what to expect. There are other folks like us, but not judges, but um, I guess people around from the community who are involved um, it would and are partic uh, participating in this. So um, basically, they told us, uh, you know, thanks. This is uh, thanks for being a for our contributions to the, the program and to kind of like the fab community writ, writ large. And it it was great. Op it was you know it was a great thing, great experience. It went from like, uh oh, what did I do? To wow. Like euphoria, euphoria. So, um, that that was pretty cool. I I will say. Um, I in terms of much more, I we you know from by just we did know in advance, you know, right? Because they did tell us right in that in that way. I think it was about a month before the keynote speech, um, in general, because. Um, we needed to start kind of doing a lot of the planning in terms of at least getting our flights squared away, right? So, right. Um, but we were not able, besides Amanda and I being able to discuss it amongst ourselves um, and our significant others, because if we have to plan, we have to plan yes. with them knowing, um, they, um, you know, we were not able to kind of fish out who else was going to be part of the uh the whole uh, event as well um so i think i feel like the judge community also knew kind of uh got a hint about this earlier than others uh before the keynote speech because the celebrational announcement went up with the heavy hitters announcement on the front page but was also before barcelona and klaus had tagged both amanda and i on us joining that celebrational, um, but I don't think it was widely known until really the keynote speech. Got it. Well, it definitely took me by surprise, and yeah, I was following Yichin's uh, live tweeting of the keynote, and I, I had a pretty big reaction to seeing you and Amanda being uh, announced. So very, very happy for both of you, and big shout out as well to Amanda Coots. Um, she's been a head judge at both of the SCG events that. Uh, that I've been to. So yeah, another amazing judge uh, in our community. And yeah, just very happy to see you both recognized. Um, so so you truly had no idea that this was going on before getting called into this scary uh, Google call. And yeah, 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 I, I, yeah I, I didn't really, right. And I think yeah. one, you know, even if it was like, maybe I just didn't think about it, right. They're like, you know, sometimes people are like, asking me like hey what are you doing in this month of this year and i'm like i don't know are you gonna come and visit me like type of deal so i'm just like you know because klaus sometimes stays over with me or like you know you know after an event like uh like uh like in the, well i'll take pro tour baltimore for example like there was a few judges who were residing in the area that were uh kind of like hanging out in the area and sometimes people drop by into the dc area who would have think you know like the dc area is a pretty hot and pop in place but you know so generally i don't really kind of 
connect fab to other people especially like when they're judging other kind of card games too so i'm just like oh, i'm not aware of your schedule so like if you're if right. you want to come and you know i'll cook you some food we'll go out to eat like come on down you know you have a place to stay so I never really yeah. never really made connecting the dots that way yeah okay and what are you expecting for that weekend coming up in in January? I I'm going to break it down into kind of two things, right? In in a in a really true micro level, right? The participants who are going to be there for a lot of us, you know, we've met in at events, right? Uh, I think Brody is one of the celebrational participants. Mara is as well. I've seen them. I've judged them thousands. Uh, that's overstating multiple times right um vin as well (laughs) from germany um uh, Aurelie, who does fantastic work for our um judging community by really supporting and developing purple fox right yeah obviously she she saved canadian nationals this year uh, Um, she's wonderful i just want to say like just a wonderful person amanda obviously kind of like who i think is probably um one of the best judges out there and kind of thinkers um among among all of us um and really like those are the people like in a micro level that i know like it's really developing those human connections right and kind of like being able to kind of hey we all were recognized in some way or some fashion for these um for our contributions to the community um and it's great to see them as well so it's really refining and developing further those um, established connections but also making new ones right i've never uh you know um i've never really met like uh i i think her name is yui tokiwa from japan she's the ambassador for i guess for japan um in terms of you know looking forward to meeting them um looking forward to meeting some of the other lifetime xp uh, gainers from the asia region like you know that though it's really kind of understand like meeting new folks that really kind of interests me in doing these type of things because it, you really get a sense for kind of like the different facets that inhabit our community right the different kind of people the different personalities the ways of thinking and i think that really enriches kind of our um and embodies kind of really fab's mission right to uh well part of it right to bring t- people together into flesh and blood yes um don't ask me to recite that uh, mission because I'm really bad at it. But um, but at a global level, I do think um, it 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 means for a lot of people, it could collectors, um, really devotees um, of Fab, to say that hey, we are starting year five with a bang, and it is we've made it right. It is the hype, the prestige uh, associated with the celebrational and having it kick off the year with being in New Zealand, the home of Flesh and Blood, really Mm -hmm. is going to, in my opinion, kind of, I hope that it's going to resonate with like a world championship level of hype and excitement. Not the competitiveness, right? Like in terms of kind of, you know, that's a that's a whole different facet to world championships but really the excitement that it brings to and that it brings to the community is kind of the more macro level uh global level um 
kind of expectation I have for that entire week in general. It's a week of events, essentially, if you think about it, right? Yeah. Because you have the celebrational and you just move flow right into the calling weekend. So right. it's great. Um, for plans in terms of beyond that, um, you know, I think uh, LSS has some great plans in in store for a lot of the celebrational attendees. We don't know too much about what's going to happen. Um, and I'm they're going to reach out to us in the near future kind of to kind of help plan for Auckland, our events in Auckland, our events in Queenstown and, you know, travel and kind of like the day-to-day -day kind of rigmarole of, hey, you know, these are the fun, exciting events that we're, we have scheduled for you in addition to playing uh, FAB, right? So right. Um, it's truly something um, that I'm looking forward to. Um, and, you know, in terms of plans, I'll just do whatever they tell me to. They tell me to like, hey, I, we need you to bring something for us or, you know, to schedule or think about something for us. I'll do it. Um, so it's really, uh, at this point, um, a waiting game to see kind of what they want from us at this point. Yeah, no, fair, fair enough. Can you just say a few words about what it's like to be acknowledged and chosen, uh, like this? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm extremely honored, right? It's, uh, I never think of myself as someone who can ever reach the top or nor do I ever want to reach the top of anything, right? Um, and this is really an honor because I know that there are so many individuals out there who are just top class um, in everything that they do surrounding this community. Um, and it's not just our um judges right it's the content creators it's the person at the local game store who constantly who's there every single week to kind of bring new people in who are willing to teach folks right there are all those folks out there as well so really like you know i'm honored that i can partake in this but that doesn't mean that it diminishes the value of anyone else in the community who have really poured their blood sweat and tears into the things that they are doing as well because um really those folks also deserve recognition and you know i'm just i i can't say much more than that because it's really you know my my contributions are different than others but at the same time we're all marching towards the same goal right it's mm -hmm. towards really elevating the the game um or the spotlight in the game from our perspectives um that will help the game grow thank you so much i want to go back to the beginning a little bit i know you had mentioned that you started in the monarch era but what made you pick up fab and how did you get involved with it and what ultimately led to like judging yeah, so it's actually a really bittersweet story. Um, so just a little bit of background. I didn't have really a competitive card game um, since Mirrodin block inside of Magic, which is, what, 2003? Um, I had um, sold all of my collection Um I amassed a lot to fund my trip to Japan because um, in 2009, I had um, been accepted into the JET program, which is a Japan exchange teaching program. 
and I needed to somehow fund this trip. So I sold my all my collection, and I didn't really um, want to go back. I'll, I'll occasionally play a draft every now and then. If someone has a deck they're willing for me to borrow, I'll pick it up and learn and play. Um, but when I came back from Japan in 2012, I decided that I wasn't actually going to um, play a competitive card game again. Um, and it was really, um, I stuck myself to deck builders. You know, I played a lot of Dominion, even online. I played a lot mm-hmm. of Dominion, trying to get competitive at that. Uh, DC deck building game that, you know, who doesn't like comics? Um, and um, so once it, 2020 hit um, and the pandemic kind of, had not really started, start, you know, it, it, it was there, but we didn't understand really the, the really the severity of the, how the pandemic would go. I started looking into um, a competitive kind of game that wasn't magic, right? And, uh, you know, I, you know, Flesh and Blood came on my radar, right? I played Yu-Gi-Oh! competitively back in the early 2000s. I played it. Um, I wasn't interested in a lot of the, um, going back into kind of playing Yu-Gi-Oh again. I did for a while. And I regret it on a couple of levels, including my bank account. Um, but, um, the, there was something about Flesh and Blood that was just, and was alluring. Um, part of it was, um, I needed something to help distract me. Um, my mother had passed away and um, early in the pandemic um, uh, due to COVID and was really kind of like the first uh, known case of um, COVID taking a life inside in the Philippines. And so I couldn't, you know, I, I buried myself, uh, you know, spending time with my family here in the United States, making sure that they're okay, but also buried, you know, I couldn't really play with other folks um, um, in a more personal setting, right? We were all isolating from each other. And um, so I was talking to David, and at one point we were like, we were trying to, we were playing, we, we signed up for Vorpal Board, which allowed us to be able to play like tabletop games using our physical pieces, using a camera and a boom arm. Uh, but then we wanted something a little bit more competitive. So we started looking into Flesh and Blood that way um, because um, at the time, uh, really, they were. Um, Team Covenant was covering it um, very well as kind of like a, a support. You know, some uh, they had a lot of support for it, right? Uh, a lot of subscription. Monarch Era meant like you know their subscription service it was really where it started to take off, and we we got into it. Um, and I have subscriptions with them, at, um, other you know for other games as well. And so I was like, let's take a chance on this. Um, so we bought. 
a ton of boxes, started cracking them open, started, I started to watch more and more of, like I said, Tolarian Dropouts and, um, and Tower Number 9, um, and really being enthralled with the accessibility of being able to play a competitive card game over camera on Discord. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what hooked me, right? Being able to still have that uh, be, because at the time I was looking for something, how to engage back into the real world. And this was probably the best outlet for someone like me because, you know, I love games. I love to be able to interact with people, new, meet new people. And if we can do that online over camera, it really speaks to kind of how great the internet and communications has really evolved over the last 20 years to be able to do that right i can't even fathom thinking about doing that in you know 2006 2009 i you know where we are in the 2020s 2010 Mm -hmm. you know like it it really brought people um together in a really trying time it was also a very good outlet for someone looking to re-engage into the world and then after that, we 2021 comes about, right? Um, uh, and, you know, like as we move through 2021 towards the end, we're able to see a little bit more in-store play. I was able to meet and some of the great folks in our community, uh, finally in person, have drinks with them, have uh, meaningful conversations in person. That's really what kind of speaks to the broad mission of Flesh and Bullet. So... After that, it's all been great. You're not the first person to mention that um, playing online was one of the key aspects of engaging in Flesh and Blood. Um, Just as a statement here, I think that one of the most intelligent things that LSS did was support webcam and online play. And I don't necessarily think that the growth of the game would have happened as much as it did during that time. Um, that could have also, if they made some poor decisions, it could have also buried any chance that we even have a game today. So I like hearing that because it keeps getting reinforced as we talk to people about it, that, you know, if you got into the game sort of in and around that time, that was one of those key aspects to getting people into the game. And like you had already touched on um, in the COVID, it's just a way to start to slowly, I guess, interact with people. Yes, it wasn't in person, but, Man, some some people working from home didn't really get a chance to see anybody during that time. So uh, it's very interesting to hear you kind of mention that as well. Yeah, um, I agree. I think, you know, if, if you look at kind of what the other card games did during that, right? I almost feel like they followed, um, they were... I feel like Flesh and Blood set the standard in terms of mm-hmm. weekly, periodical online play and having that support. Because if you look at it during that time, I think Digimon had their world championships on camera as well. Yu-Gi-Oh! had some sort of like world championship, but it wasn't like weekly online play that was being supported yeah. at the time. This was, an, you know, for for Fab, it was weekly armory events, skirmishes, being able to leverage a blitz format, being able to allow um, their week, their local game stores to engage in their pre-releases in a way that, you know, you can either play, as we were moving back into from COVID, being able to give folks the option of being able to pick up their packs and play online against each yeah. other in a pre-release format or play in store with, um, you know, the, 
the community that, that has chosen to move themselves inside um, in-person play. So I think it was a really smart maneuver to really engage in that kind of support by LSS. Uh, and I think um, it really um, drove home a facet, a great facet of their product, which is to support in-person, uh, the in-person play experience, even yeah. across a cyber barrier. Yeah. So you initially start out as a player to the game, uh, playing it online, like you had mentioned. What ultimately led to you looking into becoming a judge with Fab? Um, that's a great question. So uh, the Purple Discord is, is really the origin story of many of uh, our listeners out there and kind of the judges out there. Um, was is really what started me i started haunting around the games rule qa because like i told you in my background i really like to learn how things work right i'm very process oriented and i want to know how things work why things uh how things can be um scaled up or replicated right those instances are like it does a if rule A works for this situation, does it work for then this other situation, right? Mm -hmm. So kind of understanding that. So um, I was basically around a, a game rules QA um, channel for a large portion of the year until um, kind of uh, RTN season. And... Um, that year i think it was 2021 um and for that purpose um i you know i think josh had just gotten um his um he was recruited by lss right he joined lss and then he made the announcement and then he made you know basically um he was mulling over making a judge hub server essentially and kind of that's what kind of led from one thing to another. It went from the purple discord over to the judge hub server. He was looking for moderators and I had never moderated before, but you know, I was willing to kind of help um, with this leading, you know, the ship um, yeah. for him. So there was a whole bunch of us who applied to move moderators and, you know, we got in um, a lot of experienced folks, right? So you have, um, Myself, you have Joe Cavanaugh from the California area. Uh, Tim Grant, who goes by Raffle, uh, and is also was lurking in that Games Rule QA channel for a while, um, and still does. Um, from Connecticut, you had um, uh, Dan Collins from Jersey. You had uh, Ward Warren, Amanda Coots, Ward Warren from SEG, uh, who's been really influential for me. And, you know, I think um, ultimately it came to a point where um, aside from kind of like helping my local communities, right? Like that's kind of what we all join to judge in general is kind of yep. to help our local communities um, be that solid rock for them to help uh, or that light tower to help guide them on the right path to sailing, um, sailing on the right path. Um, you know, when I was looking for more, you know, I think the opportunities with SEG 
really got me hooked on more, right? It was mm-hmm. kind of let's delve deeper into what it is because I think there was one monu- there was one um, momentous kind of memory I have in kind of like my online dealings with um, with Ward and con- conversations with Ward, and we we were all talking about kind of opportunities for judges um, at the local areas, local communities versus opportunities for at more bigger regional scenes. And I offered my opinion and Ward offered his and rebutted my opinion pretty perfectly, actually. Um, And it really got me to kind of engage and uh, more into the regional scene because SEG has traditionally been on the east coast so i was still kind of by extension helping my community because my community would show up to these larger events and then i would see familiar faces but at the same time me being at these events i could be exposed to kind of what it means to be a part of large event teams as well and get that practice dan comps seg roanoke 2021 i think it was like uh october or something like that or november but dan Collin and like Ward was on stage, guided me. Dan was my fab lead, um, and kind of I learned a lot. And then um, it just took off from there. Like that's how in one year I got got into judging to help my community, and then got more sucked into judging mm-hmm. uh, just because the people um, who really support you were. V- who supported me were fantastic mentors and fantastic people who kind of helped to shape a way of thinking that I feel really, and I felt really supported by them. So, you know, that kind of uh, sense of community, right? That supportive feel, that backbone is really what helps drive folks to do more and get involved more into um, yeah, and you, you speak to a lot of things like judges do have an important role in their local communities. It's not just we're here to, you know, show up to your local PQ, you know, make people nervous, hand out a bunch of penalties, DQ people and, and leave like that's uh, <laughs> that that maybe is the impression that I may have had because this is my first real competitive trading card game let's say i i was pretty afraid of being judged by shay um in 2021 <laughs> to be honest um i've never been judged like playing a game like this so can you just speak a little more about the role of judges more broadly outside of working at events being a judge wearing a yellow and black shirt what else do you think you know judges contribute to the overall community i think Judges have an important responsibility in their communities because they are pillars of them, right? Um, you could arguably say, um, and I think uh, Josh had like a presentation of what these pillars are very at the very beginning. But if you if you break it up into kind of its base, right? You have the player base, you have the judge community, you have LSS, you have content creators. All these are just pillars of the overall, that underpin, that support fab as a platform, fab as a product, right? And judges in general, beyond just judging an event, really are there to kind of help um, shape that, shape their local communities because 
um, more often than not, besides the player base, they are a constant in the community, right? They, uh, players old and experienced and less experienced will go to them with their questions, hoping to find some sort of solace or some sort of um, understanding that they don't understand. And maybe um, a judge can make it clear because of the way they communicate and understand how things work um, better. And if they don't, those judges will do their due diligence, hopefully, to find the right answers for them, right? So in a way, it's kind of like that customer service Porsche aspect um, that really kind of helped define um, judges and the great judges, right? Because they're able to create a feedback loop um, that is um, that ultimately results in trust, Right, and they are trusted sources for their communities. Um, and trust is a big thing in general, right? Trust is, you know, if you look at all the main, all your teams um, throughout, um, like a corporate world or in, you know, our whatever job that you're at, you know, you trust the people around you to do the things that they're they're supposed to be doing, and as um, you know, that's why trust is so key because in the world of fab, you know, there's a lot of cards going on and there's going to be more cards going on. There's going to be more events. There, there are a lot of people who, uh, there are going to be more people entering into, into fab, right? And you need that one anchor, the judge who can help bridge like skill levels together right you have the new entry who doesn't understand kind of the more nuanced for portions of combat right they will go to a judge right and ask kind of like hey how does this work and the judge will sometimes take their time to kind of explain it um, more uh, succinctly or more relatably to that per for that person um you know and that's really kind of the community work that they do beyond just events is being that trusted anchor at their community where anyone can go to. Um, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like, you know, you, like one of those machines, like a vending machine, like, you know, you put, you put a cord in and then like you press the button coat comes out, right. For, for judges, it's almost like that, but just, with a better like customer service experience mm -hmm. with uh hey you know you mentioned last week that you had trouble are you ha still having trouble now that you know that kind of great familiarity because you understand that you know how your that person in your community is working if they came back they had a good experience you follow up with them and then they're able to foster friendships and that's kind of the other portion for judges um you know their responsibility um and their contributions to the judge community is how they develop their fr the friendships among people right because they set the tone for community involvement right if folks are constantly seeing you all the time you know you you're gonna by nature ask them oh how's your day how's life how have you been like felix when you started this podcast you asked me it's been a long time we were able to develop a, a level of ethos uh with each other 
um, some we because we already had rapport built up. Mm-hmm. With uh, judges, over time, they build up rapport with their communities, and they are able to set an example of how kind of like a great member of the community will will conduct themselves. So by that, you know, it's kind of not only is it trust, but also leading by example, their conduct in their community is what they contribute to the overall judge community. Yeah, that that's a great answer. And I mean, judges are people within the community that gave enough um, of a damn to write voluntarily multiple choice exams and <laughs> achieve a certain mark. And, you know, typically, you know, a lot of the times are also playing as well and and supporting their local communities and being that touch point for you know rules for policies you know explaining different changes to the the player base so that's that's really really good to thank you and is there anything in general that you think um if you had a message or a lesson for the broader um relationship between players and judges among the community do you see something that could be improved or like a lesson that you wish the broader community could learn about judges i, really I would say the, yeah I, I had i have to think about this because there's a lot of there's a lot of great opportunities for improvements on both sides right i think um the judge community well, it is a part of the broader fab community community um you know we constantly are learning from the broader community about their their needs their questions their concerns um and you know the question is how do we kind of approach that um and i think at um at the end of the day that really speaks to um two things in my mind one i am just asked the broader community be patient with the judge community, right? Um, the judge community is filled with individuals who are passionate about the game. Uh, there are different levels of experience um, between judges, um, but uh, all of us have the common goal of providing uh, the best way to help facilitate for playing great games um, in Flesh and Blood. So patience, especially with those who are willing to judge, right? Um, they don't have the opportunity to be able to play. Um, they are, in a way, um, you know, doing something that affects a whole um, group of people and not just themselves. Of course, there are there. Some people may argue that it, it's really they're doing it for themselves because there might be some prizes involved or some rewards or some compensation or something that involved. Uh, but at the end of the day, those who, those judges, you can always identify those judges who really do care. Um, and it's because they've invested all their time and energy into the community and it affects a lot of people. And sometimes people want change really fast. Um, and to that be patient. It's, you know, time will help evolve us to a state where it may not be readily addressed now, but as long as some feedback has been provided, it's been looked at 
we will get done maybe in the future or get addressed may not be addressed in the way that one has thought it would be because everyone has different ideas but it over it, patience will help us kind of get things done in a in a manner that uh we're able to kind of comprehensively think through these uh through changes or new waves of things uh, more easily and the second thing I would probably say for the broader community, besides patience, is we're only human, right? We're all human. Mm-hmm. Um, people are prone to mistakes, and um, you know, it it does. Just being a judge doesn't absolve us from being a human or making a mistake. I have made my fair share of mistakes. Uh, I have made my fair share of kind of. Um, you know, kind of uh, inefficiencies, right? Things that I could have done better looking back. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, But you only learn that through kind of experience. And part of, in my opinion, the human condition, the great thing about being human is that you kind of learn from your mistakes and you try to, do, and as long as you're aiming to do better than what you did before, I think you're always going to be successful in life. And I, I hope that people will feel the same way. Give judges a little bit more, a um, little bit more uh, slack when it comes to mistakes that they have that they have made. Some of them may be more visible than others, but at the end of the day, it's it's a mistake that we improve on. It's an opportunity for improvement, and we move forward. And I think that's kind of the the one thing that I want to kind of um kind of pinpoint for everyone there so i'd like to move into the next topic um some people out there might not know about the different teams and projects that are going on behind the scenes within the judge community can you share some insights about the rules team and where you fit within that Sure. Uh, so uh, for those that are listening in, um, one of the roles I have inside of the judge community is I am the team lead for the rules community team. Um, it is a t- team of now 10 individuals um, among um, all the judges that are kind of have applied or been picked by myself and Josh um, that, that our aim is to um, kind of review rules-related documents and make updates and suggestions um, based upon either things that we see or catch on our own or uh, through community feedback. Um, and it's one of those things where um, with rules, like everyone um, is has a different understanding sometimes of the rules, have different um, uh, levels of being able to navigate the rules. And really uh, the team that we have for the rules team is uh, those folks who are seasoned and experts at being able to navigate the rules to be able to answer uh, questions. But beyond asking questions, it's also being able to, to collaborate with one another uh, to improve the rules to a state that kind of addresses cards, ab- effects, abilities uh, that are coming up um, in when sets are released. Um, to give you an example, right? Um, 
the last set, uh, both Bright Lights and uh, Round the Table. Um, for the rules team is typically engaged before set released about four to five weeks before uh, the set releases, right? About that time, there's some spoilers right here and there. And then we go into a massive spoiler week. So mm -hmm. from when those little spoilers start dropping and uh, until pre-release essentially, and even after pre-release until release date, the rules team is constantly reviewing documents uh, just to make sure that uh, we are improving the documents in such a way that it addresses a many, if not all, um, of the rules interactions that we can find. And a lot of it is just, just thought experience, thought testing, hypo testing, um, kind of like scenarios as well, um, working with Josh um, in the in our private uh, rules team chat to be able to kind of rigorously test some of the different new functionalities that are coming through. Um, and But that's just not it, right? You all get hyped on spoiler season, right? And we have lots <laughs> of good spoiler discussions yeah. in all of channels, right? And the team is a lot, is all prevalent in most of the major challenge channels that you see like the purple discord the judge hub discord maybe their local competitive scenes and they are taking kind of like their questions and feedback and then you know we're bringing it filtering it up to uh the rules team back to the rules team to be able to like think beyond just the question at hand to think what are the implications of this question what are the implications of answering it in this way um and you'll see it um kind of as spoiler season goes, sometimes we're you know we're always saying, "Hey, we'll wait for release notes," or "Hey, wait for the comprehensive rules update. This is going to mm -hmm. get addressed." Uh, it's because sometimes um, you know things change during that time, and our job is to take that feedback, but also give people kind of like, "Hey, you know what? Just hold up. It's coming soon." Okay, you got me really excited. Give me the juice on spoiler season and sneak peeks. Do you guys, as the rules team, get advanced knowledge on cards that are coming out within the next sets? We do not, actually. Uh, so, um, and that's because um, LSS, by their right and nature, um, yep. they um, keep everything close to the chest, right? right. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I content creators get their cards out, you know, a couple of weeks beforehand uh, to mm -hmm. be able to create their uh, shape their content, right? Which is a great thing that LSS does for their community. Community, um, but judges in the same way, our team doesn't get that. We may get we what we do get beforehand that everyone else doesn't is when the spoiler season, when these cards come out, um, what will end up happening is Josh is very good at providing us multiple different iterations of the uh, comprehensive rules document mm -hmm. uh, so that it only shows us the things, the mechanics of what has been released and the implications of those mechanics. So okay. kind of like what is changing within our documentation and the other and the things that it will really impact. And that gets our brain juices going because then we're like, oh wait. So for example, like uh, you know, when uh, uh, I guess block cards were being 
showcase last season with uh with uh round the table right with Brevant, right there was a lot of questions about how blocks were going to interact in the in the upfc and then kind of like right. what does it really mean and then we had to we started going through all the pieces already of like here are all the sections that we 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 expect that we need to update because of the way the defending works in the what was the 2.5 version of the CR is kind of incompatible with the way that we expect blocks to work. So, you know, we get that kind of preview. And then as we move into the bigger preview season, once all the cards have been revealed by their content creators, some of them may not be revealed because those get revealed through box openings through, right. I think maybe Fluke and Bob. A fluke in box got one last last season or something like that like um once those con once those content creators have had the opportunity to to do to do it we get all we get everything we get all the release notes we get all the full version of the comprehensive rules update um including the feedback that we've already provided um and then we go through just uh just a full comparison of everything and really where you're rules team does a lot of the work is seeing uh, all the cards in one place with all the intended rulings in one place and so that's what we get the preview of is how the mechanics will actually work from a more macro level and we have the opportunity to ask questions and then what ends up happening is um, the only thing that does not get spoiled to us if it's not spoiled in the box is the um, is the fable so is it like time crunch for you guys then? Because you have the short spoiler season pre-release. And what is that, like two weeks before the comprehensive rules need to come out then? Or is it shorter than that or a little bit longer than that? Yeah, so it is, um, it's a little bit longer than that, right? It's more, let's say, um, once once we have the cards, uh, so we have that little short sneak peek season, right? Um, and then we have like a, a gap and then we have like the longer three day, four day spoiler season where they're like 10 spoilers a day by 10 different creators. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that's where like the large chunk of all, you know, spoiler season channels across all your discords start popping up with new cards and people commenting um, that that three to four day period once that ends we have like a two-week period after that okay but but um that that two-week period until from the end of that spoiler season up to the pre-release who knows it might be shorter sometimes in that two-week period we go through that second review of the comprehensive rules with everything being revealed to us in terms of the mechanics we go through writing all the release notes in a way that is digestible for pre-release, right? And then we even mm -hmm. update that after pre-release as well. Um, myself and Josh, uh, and we'll sometimes uh, you know, um, be going through and reviewing all the rules reprise and back alley Oracle uh, articles that are published on Fab TCG as well. Um, and sometimes um, we get uh, the, the larger team involved in those reviews, but sometimes we don't because we want their focus to be solely on making the rules, uh, the the um, 
the release notes and the CR documents to be as perfect as possible. And then once pre-release happens, what will end up happening is there's a week between pre-release and also there's a between pre-release and the release date of the product. And what will happen is during that time, we will also take a lot of the feedback that we get from that we and the chatter that we hear from um, uh, pre-releases, like interactions that they, you know, did not come up during spoiler season or was not caught in spoiler season. And we will make adjustments to the release notes if needed. Um, also to the CR if needed. And then we're constantly doing that loop until probably a week after the release date. That's when we say, okay, that's final. We no more changes to the release notes. So no, uh, anything else for the CR, we can, uh, for the comprehensive rules, we'll put into our next, uh, next, uh, how do you say, sprint, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, which means the next time we're planning for the comprehensive rules to be updated. Um, and on that note, that's just what my, that's just what the rules team does. There is a section where I, Josh and I will meet uh, a couple of weeks ahead of time to talk about the schedule, um, kind of like our deadlines, but also talk about existing things in the CR that need to be fixed or that we can possibly get in with this update um, that are kind of like things that you may not necessarily have ever thought about before, mm-hmm. but you know that's part of the secrecy of our team is that we're able to kind of think about these things but we generally don't advertise issue like you know holes in the cr for example because we don't want to cause uh undue uh heartburn for lack of a better word yeah. um from just kind of identifying these issues for us we kind of identify the issues we put it on our backlog and then we kind of work through it um but we never kind of advertise it in a way that is um that will cause um undue necessary um heartburn in the community okay now you working alongside josh that's something that you do because you're the team lead and is there other things that also encompass your role as the team lead for this yeah, so um, in terms of my skill set, so aside from reviewing all the documentation for the team leads, uh, for as part of a member of being the group, the team for me, I take all the care of a lot of the administrative things associated with our team. So making sure that we're all sticking to our deadlines, giving them a heads ups on kind of when our deadlines are ending, you know, making sure that everything is clear in terms of kind of our expectations and the rule and kind of the rules as being part of the team, making them remind, have reminders that they're not, they don't, um, they should not be sharing documents at all. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, because, you know, we don't, we want to be able to tightly control the versions on things, um, giving guidance where necessary, because you can imagine a lot of the comprehensive rules uh, will cross over with one of the same comments that for the uh, release notes. So being able to kind of separate that, I help guide those conversations okay. of like, hey, yeah, great thing for the release notes. Make sure that you put in the comprehensive rules or something like that um, and kind of like guiding those conversations as well. Um, but it's also, 
um, my responsibility as team lead um, is also making sure that our folks have what they need to accomplish kind of their task at hand and making sure that they have the, um, if they're not able to, that they can contribute somehow in some way um, or let them know that, you know, it's, you know, thanks for letting me know that you can't contribute uh, for this work stream, there are other work streams that you're, you know, coming up soon that you're available to work on. That'd be great. Um, and then also doing a lot of the pre-conference of rule update planning. Um, I do that with Josh. Very cool. With you being so involved behind the scenes, is there anything that um, is exciting or that you enjoy that other people, you know, don't necessarily get to see or know about? Um, I enjoy having, being able to know things that around the community, like having a pulse on um, things rules related in the community. Um, I may not, I will say this, I, I may not be the best in terms of responding sometimes, but when I do, I make sure it's meaningful for the person that I'm responding to. But I definitely do read almost everything. And if I don't, I always ask, hey, can someone summarize this for me? Because it's like maybe like there's like a 20 long post on things. Um, but I think what I enjoy most about being behind the scenes is not only the pulse, um, the heartbeat, like understanding, like I work with Yi Chen to sometimes like we bounce ideas off each other, Joe Kavanaugh and I, cause I'm part of the exam team as well. Like we'll think about kind of like ways to improve or shorten our processes, for example. And a lot of that just speaks to just the overall kind of knowledge base that folks have, like other leads have as well and their experience and to be able to draw upon each other's experience because you can learn from each other. And I think for me, that pulse right there is what really attracts me because it's just, there is a confluence of knowledge uh, among the people who are really partaking and really involved in their teams that you can draw, one can draw from and it's just, you learn so much. Like, let me give you an example. And it's, this is not a behind the scenes thing. I think people were geeking out of something called Obsidian inside of the uh, Fab Judge server. And the fact that people can geek out over that and then draw from each other on it is an example of what happens in behind the scenes, right? Like. Right. Uh, project management skills, like being able to, you know, Joe is probably, Joe Kavanaugh is probably the person I would relate to in terms of kind of um, his direction and his career is kind of mimics mine because we all do project management, similar things. So being able to kind of have that milestone kind of uh, relatability and kind of be able to draw from each other it's it's great I, I i find that and we're both detail oriented we're all process oriented too so it's great to kind of collaborate on those things and kind of really refine those skills and that's where i like being i'm so involved in behind the scenes because it gives me an opportunity to practice those things that i may not necessarily get too much practice of during my day-to-day -day job or exposure during my day-to-day -day job to do so so do you set any like longer term objectives for your ongoing intensive engagement behind the scenes with the the judge program or is it 
still just every day head down do your work it's definitely not i when i'm working for on things for the judge it's always head down for a couple hours like depending on what i'm doing right i think um for example when uh we were working on the team lead certification for advanced certification so i'm part of that team as well right i i took on the challenge with ward amanda and the rest of the uh, team lead certification team to kind of really put together kind of like a great uh explanation of what our expectations for a team team lead would be right and you know if you if you if you look at it while it it looks long because it those are kind of like what we hope our desired candidates would be the way that i kind of approached it and that they were cool with uh, was being able to kind of make it seem like what it sounds like to be you would expect when applying to a job, right? You here's what we expect our candidates to have. Or here's what we're hoping. Or here's what we expect you to uh, provide proof of, and kind of, uh, kind of some certainty about the process, right? And that's an example of one being able to be given the space to do that, right? Uh, and number two, it, you know, being able to um, kind of see that come together and see that actually be used and that when you put when we put our heads down we put our heads down all three four four of us together with Klaus for a good couple days um and then there was even after that i mean award and others were kind of discussing it in more uh at length as well like and then seeing it finally come out and then seeing it finally used that's that's where i get like my participation level is predicated on seeing results so being able to see that from inception to implementation is a really great positive feedback loop that is encouraging to see and lets me know that, hey, I'm actually making an impact. Therefore, I want to spend more time in the making contributions to the program, right? Um, yeah. And I will say this, right? Even before like all these teams were doing it, like I... I had the goal of just trying to get people, you know, a common understanding of, you know, rules in general, right? There, you'll see some of the old Ask a Judge, like, forum posts, not forum posts, but, like, the posts on Discord. We tried to make threads. Like, we tried to innovate in such a way that uh, gave a common understanding for judges, um a common place for information and that's only grown to better heights right we have judge hub platform now we have the old we have the new ask a judge forum feature on our discord uh we have tests now being part of the rules exam like that's a great uh being part of the exam team that's a great feedback loop because then you see that people are actually doing the tests they're actually right. using it um and I, the things that will, in the long term, is is being set up, right? I think Josh and particularly Klaus have a good vision, a macro level vision for where they want to take the judge program. 
Um, now all but now all that is really being worked on right now is implementing it to get to that vision, right? Doesn't mean you know there will be course corrections. You know, any good plan will always have course corrections because something always happens. But they have where they want to go, and they have people at the heads of their teams that are able to, that are, that can accomplish things and seeing those things being accomplished help others feel a sense of accomplishment, accomplishment as well and therefore want to devote more of their opportunity. And that's exactly it for me. The only drawback for me is that like with everyone else, I hope, is that sometimes real life will always kind of uh, dictate participation levels on a dime, right? My child, as he grows up, if I'm lucky to be here, uh, you know, in to see um, him grow up, you know, when he starts to attend kindergarten, when he starts to attend elementary school, if I'm still in the fab community, I, I, I would say there's going to be an opportunity cost, right? Mm -hmm. There's already an opportunity cost because I can't go out and play fab all the all the time. Right? I have to be very cognizant of my partner's needs as well, and it's a shared responsibility for us. So, um, you know, in this case, my my commitment to the program and to um, my level of participation is predicated kind of on that relationship in general, right? But not only me. But it's also kind of like when, when there are, it's also based on flesh and blood itself, right? When there's something as monumental as new events coming in, right? I don't think, like, if you asked me five year, like five months ago, like, hey, if I told you that we're increasing to a one point five million dollar, like, per, like prize money purchase uh is a purchase purse money purse for just organized play i would have been like no no way 1.5 million like 1 million is already great 1.5 is even better uh i would have told you that you were lying to me but obviously it's great and because of that there are going to be new opportunities because there are more events and it, at at the end of the day, it's just going to be impossible for anybody to attend all of them, right? Or at least for me, attend all of them. So I have to start picking and choosing. But that doesn't mean my participation level is going to kind of increase or decrease because of that. It's just my opportunities to contribute may be different in different ways because of it. Yeah, you've you've talked about being a part of. Well, we we know that you're you're the team lead for the rules team. You've talked about being the Discord moderator, part of the um, the exam team and the advanced certification team as well. I mean, this sounds like more than a second job for you, to be quite honest. Like, is this still a hobby for you? Do you consider, <laughs> or is this truly another job with deadlines and? responsibilities and meetings and and all of that definitely still a hobby everyone it's definitely still a hobby <laughs> um you know I, I i will say um 
what I'm not able to do is play often. But, so um, the sports analogy that I'll make here for all those who are sports, like, you know, um, if you have a bad shooting night, not saying that I'm having a bad portion of my life, but in bad shooting night in basketball, right? There are other things that you can be doing to on the court to make an impact. You can be playing defense. You can make it harder for um, the other team to kind of get into rhythm, right? Not saying that those are things, but the the analogy here is there. There are there. Just because I can't participate in the way that I want to participate always, it doesn't mean that I'm not participating um, in a more in a meaningful way either, right? I I can do, be doing other things, um, but um, in this case. Um, I've chosen to participate by contributing back to what I think is something that is will affect more than just myself. It will affect others uh, in a way that um, I hope uh, will make uh, will bring them some sort of happiness in their life. Because ultimately, I people's success. If people are successful at what they do because of something I did you just tell me that it will make my day. And I think um, for that, just having the chance to experience that um, is good enough for me to keep, um, keep going like this as a hobby, as opposed to a, a full-time job. It's a really good segue into my next question. You're part of multiple communities within the game of flesh and blood you're in the judge community you're in your local community you're in the national community and even the world's community at this point do you see any changes within the the community now compared to when you started and where do you think things will go in the future so the easy hits judge community right i think um from where i once started um back in 2021 with that road to national season to now right the judge, there are judge gifts. Um, I think the mm-hmm. very first judge gift was what? Um, that for the road to nationals was Herald of Judgment, Senator Art or something like that. Yeah, and I think now, so. And now we have opportunities for folks to earn judge packs that have outstanding cold foils in them. Um, you know, those are fantastic. Um, kind of like that's an improvement for people to get away and it's not you're not only getting that now for um like road to national season right or your pro quest season you're getting Mm. you're getting those at conferences if you're a member if you are a member of if you're an active member of any of the community teams you may be getting a few packs here and there right it did the packs are really what is a great innovation from two years ago to now is a way to reward community contributions. And I think um, that really helps get people on board to really spending their time, um, for those that care, really spending the time, their time and um, into the program. Um, Judge Hub, uh, I think, when Dan Collins and Joe Kavanaugh and um, Josh rolled that out, that was great. It gave 
it gave a central ship uh, for everyone to come together to be able to record their event history, to be able to certify for level two, um, mm-hmm. to advance that, to know how to advance that, to be able to write reviews. And that's honestly something that we hope that folks will take care, take um, more credence over is to be able to provide that timeless feedback to folks on how they can improve as a, as a judge for them. Um, some people may not be receptive to it, you know, that's fine, but it is a feature that is there to help people on their journeys who want to grow and learn from their, from the opportunities of improvement that they have and really build on that. That is a feature that two years ago never existed, right? Um, the teams, right? You have basically, um, you know, our team, the conference team, right? The number of conferences that have come out in the year, in the year 2021, I couldn't tell you one single conference, right? Maybe there was on kind of like um, some of the world premieres for TOA. Maybe there was, I don't know. I wasn't there, but what I can tell you now is the number of available conferences this year alone seems to have eclipsed and I don't have the numbers seems to have eclipsed the year before that and definitely in 2021. Right. Um, so that allows for a matriculation of just knowledge, networking, knowledge, being able to um, kind of ref- for presenters to refine their presentation abilities and their skills to be able to demonstrate their mastery of their thing, of their subject matters. Like those are great things that that conference team is really fostering these days. And it's not only in person, right? You have more online conferences, like weeks for preparation for available for those individuals who may be new, can't get to a conference, but want to learn skills so that they are better prepared. Those L1s are better prepared for their ProQuest and their Road to Nationals, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. So the access that I guess the overall arching theme is is the accessibility of information is greater now than it was a couple of years ago. And that also speaks to kind of like maybe the the larger larger community writ large, right? Um, if you think about the larger fab community, right? Um, we now have uh, a we have three main flagship documents, right? We have the Comprehensive Rules. The Comprehensive Rules 2.0 definitely came out at the very beginning of 2022, right? So that was a monumental feature because it kind of spoke to the underworkings of how the game works. Kind of, We have a tournament rules and policy. We have a penalty and procedure guideline. And none of that existed before, right? And those are all kind of good documents for the larger community to understand kind of like competitive play, the expectations for uh, playing in tournaments, uh, what the player expectations are, what you can expect from our TOs, what you can expect from our judges, those kind of outline and kind of explain those features better than they ever did in 2020 or in 2021, right? So that availability and more detailed articulation of information is much greater than it was uh, now, than it was before. 
Um, Game-wise, and I can't, you know, you can see, like, the, the mechanics are just growing. Right? Yeah. We have, you know, we started off with the advent of the super, ta- like, the, you know, the uh, super types, right? With, like, uh, with Monarch being light and shadow, combination with rune blades and brutes and warriors and illusionists alike, right? And then we went off into uh tales of aria right with ice and elementals and uh, like that it has spurred a lot of growth um just game wise and a really interesting combinations of decks um coming out and kind of archetypes coming out and we see all this and i think for me i'm hoping that what they built on in the last four years um what i'm hoping is that they start to balance opportunities to kind of play those like great cards those great card pools again through their living legend format but having the opportunity and where it needs to be balanced at is playing the more current existing formats right and i think that will be an interesting challenge for lss presenting those two types of opportunities amongst their however many callings however many battle hardens there are this year right because i think you know you want to be able to let people know that um and if what they say is true with 15 new heroes coming in you want them to have the outlet to be able to play their older cards because it that those mean things to them as well mm-hmm. and i think um you know that will be an interesting challenge for them to see and something that i, I look forward to seeing actually because i myself uh first of all i don't like ice as a talent in general i can respect it but you know i'm how dare you yeah exactly you're talking to two ice people oh uh <laughs> you know i it's okay to be wrong just know that you are um <laughs> i'm just kidding y'all yeah. um but you know i really feel for the fact that you know you don't you icelander old him and bravo starter show are out in every premiere format and now living legends back living legend is here so you can be able to play them is great let's not talk about what happened at barcelona with all eight being bravo starter show but you know being able to foster those opportunities to be able to play the the heroes that really brought you into the game or helped refine something about the game in its early history for you is really meaningful and i think that's going to be an interesting challenge to help i'll help foster that for lss so I want to ask you about something that Klaus uh, spoke to us about when he was on the show, and that was the importance of diversity of backgrounds uh, within all levels of the judge team, but especially within the leadership teams. And I'd just like to ask you, do you feel that you bring a unique perspective uh, to the teams in which you're a part of and leading? I think I do. Um... So I'm going to break it up in terms of kind of my diversity professionally and then my diversity personally. I think I'll start with personally, right? I I do think that everyone has their own uh, lived experience, 
right? In terms of how um, so they relate to society and how society relates to them. I do think that those are very informative experiences to be, and everyone has their own truth to be told um, and story to tell um, if they want to tell it, right? And I think it's important to be open to receiving those stories um, in a way that um, should be respected, right? I think what we forget at the end of the day, like I said, we're all human, right? We have the capacity to grow. We have the capacity to learn from others. And that's also learning about what, um, you know, what folks care about. And I think um, that goes a long way into understanding kind of your a person's kind of ethical contribution or how they lead their lives on a daily basis, right? And I think um, having that as a telos um, for you to, to be able to guide is a good thing, right? Because you're open to diverse perspectives. You're open to, you're more willing to discuss things in a, in a manner that is um, aimed at uh, meaningful engagement and meaningful, authentic relationships. And I think that's, um, at the end of the day, you know, it helps inform your interpersonal communication with your team members when leading large teams with the people you work with um, and helps um, kind of understand, like, that at the end of the day, beyond this, this event, that they are still going to, they are humans and that they should be respected and that um, you, you know, they have, a, they have, um, they have contributed to the, your success in some way. And I think it's important to understand that, um, and it's important to understand that, right? I think the plurality of diverse perspectives is a good thing to always have. Um, and it's always good to consider because it helps rigorously intellectually test your own convictions as well and your own decision-making frameworks and um, processes in a way that um, hopefully is inclusive and not necessarily exclusive of those who may have different thinking uh, ways of thinking than you. Um, now that it's unfortunate that there are some people in the world who um, take the take the stride of um, being very demeaning and very uh, disrespectful of other people's way of life. And to that, I'm okay for me kind of not engaging with those folks or not willing to tolerate them because in a, in a way where we are standing as individuals inside of the program is we are trying to help bring people together into flesh and blood, which means being inclusive to us, to everyone and respecting their ways of life, because in a way they are all participants in a very great ecosystem that should be ideal for everyone and, and, and engender a sense of safe space for folks to engage with. And I think that's something that's necessary to kind of understand um, when leading these teams is that it helps shape your uh, customer experience uh, skills, your customer, your ability to relate and understand folks, but also to understand when necessary, when 
enough is enough when you, sometimes you have to draw the line um, and making hard calls and hard decisions related to conduct. And it's, those are the kind of ways in which your diverse ex perspectives will influence you um, for the better because you start to understand um, things that should be because you understand kind of really the, the diverse underpinning that the mission statement asks of us. Professionally, I do think that also um, diverse perspectives helps you uh, having a non-Magic the Gathering background means that I was able to kind of team, better lead my teams in a way that best attended to their needs. Um, you know, I, I, I am, a, for my day-to-day -day job, I am a team lead for, you know, for my, the financial institution that I work for. And really, I oversee, what, 20 people on a day-to-day -day basis, helping them be positioned them for success, right? And when I first came into uh, the program for J Flesh and Blood, for the judging program, and kind of, it was a lot of people from MTG that have, as an industry, has developed kind of like the event management team leading um, kind of uh, way of thinking. And in in my mind, what while I was learning that, where I could apply myself um, and really be better is to making sure that I am doing as much as the other person, as the people that I'm asking to, um, that are working with me, um, the people that I'm overseeing, to making sure that they and their needs are being met and that they are positioned to succeed at what they need to do. And if I don't know all the questions, if I don't know the answer to your question, I will f do my best to find it because that is exactly kind of what I brought for me over to the program and no one taught me was asking that question and not being afraid to ask the dumb question. Because I look at myself as like compared to like, Ward compared to Amanda, compared to Dan, like all these are super experienced people. Uh, Alfonso, Emilian, like all these people kind of know the answer to a lot of things. And where, and I'm so grateful to all of them because they allowed me to ask the questions that needed to be asked for me in order for me to understand and do the best job possible. So in terms of for kind of what I brought to the program, I feel is like a, a, a sense of being able to um, lead by example as someone who does not have a magic background and can still thrive in a leadership um, area. Thank you. Nick, as we wind down the interview here, we'd like to end off with uh, a lighter question, I guess, here. What is your favorite moment in FAB so far? 
I have, well, I have two. Sure, um, fire away. The very first one, as a as a judge, was definitely uh, calling the the draft on day one of the very first World Championships in 2022 in uh, San Jose. Um, I'm going to see. From my perspective, it was great seeing people, players who like reached the pinnacle of fab at that point, just like either be excited to be there, uh, be very tense and like cat like like you could see scrunches on their face because do are the picks that they're making the ones that are gonna kind of like lead them to the win, uh, like the bet like the 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 rainbow of emotions, like the the whole spectrum of emotions you could see out on the field uh, with the players. And that was fantastic. The From the judging perspective, it was actually super inspiring to see um, folks, like the people that I previously just mentioned, like the leaders in the community wear a yellow shirt and be doing the same things that we've been trained to do the entire year as well. And all of us coming together to work on that, like day one had a ton of yellow shirts just riddling the floor, trying to make sure that the draft goes off without any problems. Or if there was any problems, it they were solved immediately right or we were calling drafts on the side just to get them back in sync and whatnot so but you saw people your team leads working it being very focused being and it was great to see because normally we're on the floor looking at each other but when you're calling draft you're at a central point and the central point happened to be on the stage and seeing that kind of flow was just an amazing moment to me like i don't think i could pass that up ever again that was that was fantastic as a player uh there was a, a skirmish i won in season three um that i uh, uh won <laughs> with dorinthia uh my first love in fab um uh, and she i went five oh and one in swiss and then racked it through the uh, the top eight, and ultimately won it. Um, it was bitter. It was it was great because it was like the first time I've won anything relevant in Fab because mm-hmm. um, I don't get to play that much, right? So I, I was judging some events during that time, um, and so I won it with Dorinthia. Um, I had a hearted Fiendel in there because I think. Um, at the time, Rob from Tolarian Dropouts had a Heart of Fiendel in there. So, like, the day right before when I was building my deck, I was like, I'm going to do what he did. So, I put a Heart of Fiendel, and good lord, did it save me, save my ass. And this is before, uh, you know, like, Heart of Fiendel really started to spike up um, yeah. with the advent of, you know, um, I guess TOA and Everfest coming out. I guess when Icelander started coming out again, people were really putting that as a potential option in their deck because of the life mm-hmm. gain associated with it. But 
Oh, I loved it. And I think, um, I think one of the greatest things in general with that one was like your, you saw the people in your local community that just uh, really have a great opinion about you were just staying afterwards to see how far you would go. And then they would like, they were watching all my games and then, you know, there was a crowd go going and they were, and it was just incredible to see like when the community, when you feel like the community really has your back, that that's an amazing feeling all by itself. Right. Let me give you an example. Uh, the, the, the Greek uh, individual uh, who won worlds this year had a fantastic, I, I think his name is Alex, right? Alex. Alex yeah. yeah. I remember watching that final match. And then when he won it, all his friends that traveled from Greece with him that were outside of the barrier were just yelling and doing like a soccer style chant. And it really actually reminisced with me that I it recalled with me that that's how I felt like every, you know, when you have a support system like that, you feel like you can take on the world. You feel like yeah. you're doing something right. And that, yeah, those are so good. Yeah. Those are the moments that I appreciate and will never forget. Well, that's great. And it must have been a big skirmish for you as well, just with that many Swiss rounds. You said six, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, we're winding down here, Nick. Uh, any closing thoughts for us before we we end things up? Um, I just want to say thank you to both of you. I know I talked a lot. I hope I answered all your questions in a way <laughs> that uh, is... Um, great for the listeners and great for you um oh, and yeah. ultimately i um want to say what you all are doing is great you know you all support the community in a, in in the best way that you can and in in a way that helps um grow people's way of thinking uh with diverse perspectives from all sorts of the, the different areas that inhabit our um, flesh and blood community and for that I want to say thank you because um, you're a really integral part of our ecosystem so appreciate you having me here thank you yeah thanks for that I think you misled us a little bit about your storytelling ability um, we wouldn't be here as far as we were uh, without your storytelling so <laughs> it is about two and a half hours <laughs> feel free to just like edit as much as you want to kind of like shape it down i'm fine with no that. worries no worries and i think our definition of a hobby is different than uh yours yeah a little bit <laughs> with uh the amount you engage in this engage in this game and what i think the average flesh and blooder does oh so. yeah <laughs> well, well, uh, gosh, uh, sports reference, right? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I uh, listen to a lot of. I've been listening to a lot of Kobe Bryant lately in terms of mm -hmm. the way he's thinking about like the Mamba mentality. If someone, when you're when you're asleep, someone else is working, kind kind of deal. So that's kind of the approach I take to things. But uh, I mean, hobby wise. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, 
I feel like this this game's worth it. This community is worth it. So, so yeah, that's awesome. So again, thank you so much for chatting with us today. If people wanted to reach out to you, should they, and where can they? Yes, they can. Uh, they, I am always available to talk. I may not be the fastest one to talk as I'm doing a lot of things, um, but I, you can find me on Twitter. I've recently re-engaged, or sorry, X, formerly known as Twitter. I recently re-engaged in that kind of um, social, um, but you can reach me there. It's Nicola Piqueo. Um, and you'll find me there or you can find me in the discord um i'm the pikachu that's on the right hand corner of the uh judge hub discord um you can find me there i'm willing to discuss and talk um at any time jam with me about anything i'm i'm good and then um if you're a judge and you don't engage in discord or in twitter you can also shoot me an email um, a message to the Judge Hub platform. I'd be happy to take a look at it. Right. Thank you so much. And for us at the IP2 Podcast, you can check us out on YouTube, IP2 Podcast, on Twitter, IP2 Podcast, and on Blue Sky, IP2 Podcast. Thank you.